0: Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy Young Jr. And along with my brother, Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, it's 2022. Can you believe it? That year sure flew by. 2021 was
1: over in a flash. So many <laughs> momentous things happened during the year, but now we're on to a new year and excited for it.
0: Yes, we want to wish everyone a happy and a healthy and a new year in which you can serve the Lord. You know, Rick, I remember in the days when you and I and mom and dad, we would sit and we would pray in the new year and and they would make that statement, you know, if the Lord's going to come, you know, in this previous year before the new year begins, it's going to be in the next five minutes. And man, we would, <laughs> we would sit there shaking like, oh Lord, you know, we confess everything, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Yeah, those were special memories for sure. Yes, and we have to always live that way because we don't know when Uh, we expect an imminent return of uh, the rapture of the church taking place and the return of Christ to take his uh, body home, his, uh, his beloved, the bride of Christ to take us home. And we're looking forward to that and hopefully... Well, we do know it's going to happen now in 2022, if it's going to happen. And man, with everything that's happening, Rick, around the world, uh, things are getting closer and closer for the rapture to take place, aren't they? They are. I certainly
1: remember, and those who heard Dad speak, he would tell people, I'm going to predict when the rapture is going to take place. I'm going to predict when Jesus is going to return. And then everybody would be all excited, and he would say, tonight, and if not tonight, then tomorrow night. And if Mm. not tomorrow night, then the
0: night after. So if not 2021, 2022. So true. So true. Well, we've got a lot to cover during this uh, program today on the 1st of January in 2022. And our first that we're going to go to to talk about the situation and what's happening, uh, our man that we talked to about geopolitics, Ken Timmerman. Ken, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us.
2: I'm doing great, Rick. Thanks for having me on, and a happy new year to all of our listeners.
1: Well, thank you so much. Well, the first thing, and it's on the top of everybody's uh, news stories nowadays, is what's going on with the meeting between President Biden and Putin from Russia.
2: Extremely important phone call. Not a meeting, obviously, but uh, important because Putin will be sizing up Biden yet again to see how he is responding and how he will respond to Putin's ongoing buildup along the borders with Ukraine. Now, I think that people need to understand, Putin is a risk taker, but he's not a Saddam Hussein style risk taker. He takes calculated risks, uh, and he is very careful to gauge his opponent to see how they are going to respond. And I think he has, even though you know Putin himself has not a great understanding of the United States, he does understand power very well, and he understands personalities. So he will be gauging Biden's determination to block a potential Russian takeover of Ukraine, because that's what we're talking about here. And beyond just a takeover of Ukraine, Putin's latest demands are really quite extravagant. He is demanding that the West, that the United States, that NATO completely revise its security framework that has been in place, the one that's been in place since the collapse of the Soviet Union 30 years ago and that the 17 new NATO nations that were formerly members of the Warsaw Pact essentially renounce their membership in NATO, that NATO not station any forces in those 17 NATO countries, and that we withdraw whatever bases we have built up over the past 30 years. This is an outrageous demand, but what it shows is how Putin has been emboldened by the weakness of Joe Biden dealing with national security and foreign policy.
1: Well, since Afghanistan, it does certainly seem like President Biden has not showed strength at all. And basically what you're saying is that Putin is going to take as much as he can get. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. And and he will go up to that line. Uh, and that's what he is going to try to gauge with Biden. Now, he put out a, a conciliatory tweet before this uh, meeting took place saying that he thinks that he has a negotiating partner with Biden. What he means by that, Rick, let's, let's be clear. He thinks he's got a patsy. He's got a pushover. He's got somebody he can essentially bully into making concessions to Russia. And I think that is really the, 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 the key thing here, because uh, there is a real risk of a hot war between the United States and our allies and Russia, over ukraine it would be a pathetic ridiculous war with no strategic interests of the united states except for one which is reasserting american and nato deterrence that is a key strategic united states interest it has not been articulated by the Mm -hmm. biden administration which i think is really a tremendous fault it's a huge error but that is our national security interest is reasserting deterrence And so far, Biden has done just the opposite. He's been giving Putin a green light to do essentially whatever he wants.
1: Basically, looking back on 2021, and we followed a lot of stories throughout the year. But for 2021, what was the most serious threat in the kind of the geopolitical, the entire world scene? What was the most serious threat in 2021?
2: Well, there were three huge stories and they're going to continue on into 2022. So I can, you know, make this very short. (laughs) Russia, Ukraine. Is Russia going to invade Ukraine? Is the United States and the West going to stand up our deterrence again to prevent that from happening? Big story last year or this, this year. Big story coming up in 2022 could just not resolve. Second one, obviously China and Taiwan. The Chinese have been really upping their threats to Taiwan uh, in 2021. With uh, scores of overflights by military aircraft, armed military aircraft, um, using their blue water navy to encircle Taiwan, uh, that is going to be a big story 2022. I do not expect China to invade Taiwan this coming year. I think they're going to wait because it's a big, big piece for them. Uh, Taiwan will not be easy to take over. It's an amphibious landing, uh, and the Taiwanese have prepared for that for the past 60 years. Uh, so that they are they are uh, not ill equipped to resist a t- Chinese takeover, and the Chinese, like Putin, in many ways, do not want to um, uh, launch a war that they do not win. they cannot afford to lose a war. very important thing to remember. Third big story iran iran, israel iran 's nuclear weapons program. the United States is failing in these revived so called negotiations, uh, I would call it a revived capitulation. Because the earlier nuclear deal in 2015 was a U.S. capitulation to the Iranian nuclear weapons program. I hope that we do not uh, come to that again, but uh, the Biden people uh, seem to want to allow the Iranians to get away with whatever. They're now enriching uranium to 60%, which is essentially military grade. They're expanding their uh, enrichment facilities. By the way, North Korea is doing exactly the same thing. They sense a weakness on the part of the Biden administration. So they are expanding their own uranium enrichment programs too. The big question in the coming year, uh, what form will an Israeli attack on Iran's nuclear weapons facilities take? Will it be a kinetic attack using their F-35s, the stealth aircraft that they've gotten from the United States? Or uh, will it be, and in my view, this is what I think is more likely, will it be some form of stealth or cyber attack that will cripple Iran's capabilities. Uh, I will say this, though, Rick. You know, I've I've told our listeners many, many times, uh, don't just focus on kinetic attacks. In other words, planes dropping bombs in Iran. The Israelis have many other ways of uh, striking at Iran's nuclear weapons programs. But let me say this, and it's really key to say this as we go into 2022, There has never been a greater risk of an actual Israeli kinetic strike on Iran greater than this upcoming year. I think as close as we came to it in the past was 2006, 2007, uh, when the Israelis were really almost openly talking about airstrikes on Iran. I think that is a real possibility in the coming year. I think it will only happen if Israel launches a non-kinetic strike that is seen to be a failure. In other words, that they failed to take out whatever their target had been and the iranians are uh, certainly expending a lot of effort to not only defend those nuclear weapons development sites but also to demonstrate their aggressive their offensive capabilities they just held military exercises in the persian gulf over this past week launching uh, a dozen uh, ballistic missiles including some that are capable of hitting israel Uh, And and they did that, as a clear warning. The head of the armed forces, uh, Hossein Salami, uh, made it crystal clear in his public statements these exercises were aimed at showing Israel that Iran had an offensive capability uh, to be able to strike at them if Israel took action against Iran's nuclear facility. So I think that's a real possibility as we're coming up uh, into the new year, and uh, we are going to be talking about it a lot, I am sure.
1: I am sure we are as well. Um, So out of those three main stories, China and Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine, and Israel looking to stop the nuclear ambitions of Iran, which one do you think is the most likely to happen in 2022? Or which one would you be least surprised to see on your uh, morning news alert?
2: I'd be least surprised to see uh, an Israeli-Iranian confrontation mm-hmm. of some form. Uh, I, think, I think Putin uh, is looking for a non-military solution to mm. gobble up Ukraine. I think that is his, that is his preferred choice, and his uh, extensive military buildup is there to essentially defang the West, to make it impossible for us to even conceive of a military defense of Ukraine. Uh, so once he's got all those troops on the border, he'll say, OK, now this is what I want. Uh, China, Taiwan, as I mentioned earlier, I think the Chinese are going to wait. Uh, they're going to wait. They do not have an urgent need to take Taiwan now. Now, the only caveat there would be if Putin and President Xi get together and decide to launch action on the same day. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening yet. I don't see it happening yet. But that's a just keep that one in the back of your mind.
1: All three of these are areas that we need to be concerned about. We need to keep our eye on, and you are doing that for us. So thank you so much, and we look forward in 2022 for you to do that. Happy New Year, and thank you again, Ken.
2: Thank you so much, Rick, and uh, boy, I sure hope 2022 is uh, going to be a glorious year (laughs) and not a a year of global catastrophe, which is possible given the weak leadership that we have in this country. God bless.
0: God bless. Don't go anywhere. David Dolan with his Middle East News update. Coming up right here on Prophecy Today weekend.
3: Todd Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. What will 2022 bring for persecuted Christians around the world? Todd Nettleton with Voice to the Martyrs USA says the rise of radical Islam in Africa will mean more attacks on churches. He also expects a lot of news out of China this year, starting with the Winter Olympics in February. He hopes the media attention will remind listeners to pray for Chinese believers in prison. Follow these stories all year long at missionnews.org. New gospel opportunities have emerged in Ethiopia. World Missionary Press scripture booklets are the tools believers need to walk through these open doors. Believers say the booklets are especially effective in Muslim outreach. When churches were closed due to the pandemic, people encountered the gospel through these materials. In the past 30 years, World Missionary Press has sent 3.7 million scripture booklets to believers in Ethiopia. Pray for funding and opportunity to send another shipment and find your place in the story at missionnews.org. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel?
4: Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., along with my brother Rick. Rick, you know, so many things happened this last year. Uh, we looked at a, a new president, uh, of course, uh, The uh, What took place January 6th in Washington, D.C., with uh, an attack on the Capitol building. Uh, And, you know, when you look at, I mean, COVID continued. When you look at all of these things, uh, there's so much that took place during 2021.
1: It was an eventful year. We were here to report all of those stories. We have great uh, broadcast partners that have helped us uh, as we presented those stories and put them in a prophetic light.
0: Yes. Well, one of our men that we've been going to for many years is David Dolan with his Middle East News Update. Dave, how are you doing today?
5: I'm good. It's a little cold where I'm at, but I'm staying warm and staying inside.
1: Well, it is that time of the year. Well, let's get right into it, Dave. Um, First of all, I'd like your comments. Israel was said to have struck a key Syrian port of Latakia, causing massive damage.
5: Yes, and that's unusual, uh, Rick. It's happened before, but uh, only once before. That was just recently they struck the port. That's uh, Syria's main uh, seaport, but it's also where Russia has a military base uh, right next to the port. And because the Russians are there and they've strengthened that, uh, they basically abandoned it after the fall of the Soviet Union in the early 90s. And they started, oh, in recent years, to beef it back up. And really, in the last year, they've made it a major uh, Russian base once again. And so the Israelis, of course, are reluctant to strike that area because they don't want to uh, kill or wound even accidentally any Russians. Uh, but uh, this was an attack on the port itself. It was apparently missiles fired from Israeli uh, ships, possibly submarines, off the coast. And it did extensive damage. Uh, state-run TV showed footage of flames everywhere, smoke rising from the terminal. Um, uh, residential buildings nearby, it said, were struck. It claimed a hospital was also struck. That uh, is doubtful, but it did say. And it said claimed that some tourist sites near the port were also attacked. That's also doubtful. But it is known in Israel, and the um, Syrians admit it, that uh, hezbollah uses that port that iran has um, material there and weapons it uses that port to bring in weapons from the sea uh, that it sends mostly to lebanon but some stay in syria itself so it's a military target the israelis have basically said now they didn't admit that they were behind us but everybody knows they they were and uh, of course iran condemned it roundly in syria did fire uh, anti-aircraft missiles uh, in the area that evening. It was Tuesday. And uh, it, it's it's audacious on Israel's part, really, because the Russians are so close by there. But it just shows. And uh, a statement from uh, Prime Minister Bennett, uh, again, not admitting to the attack, but saying that we will continue to go after bad actors in the area. We won't stop that because they're, Uh, you know, claiming that they will destroy us and we have to keep up the fight against them.
1: Well, moving from Syria to another Israeli nemesis, and that would be Iran. And, And a general, General Sharif, a spokesperson for Iran's Revolutionary Guards Corps, has claimed that the Zionist regime is close to its downfall.
5: Yes, he made that statement earlier this week. He said it's the most intense part of our efforts to destroy israel coming up ahead he said the blood of the martyrs and the resistance of people have frustrated the zionists and islam's other enemies and he said that uh, claimed that israel is frightened of the power of iran and the resistance axis well again this is uh, the spokesman for the revolutionary guards general sharif so he would be a man that knows what the policy is in the government and what the thinking is. And just another sign, Rick, that the showdown between Israel and Iran, the full showdown, again, this uh, mini-war is going on all the time, like the attack earlier this week on the port in Syria. Uh, but uh, the full war that we're expecting one of these days seems to be very, very close now, and they seem to be admitting that. We also had Ayatollah Khamenei say, Uh, a few days ago, that uh, they wouldn't scale back their nuclear program and that they might, in fact, start enriching uranium up to 90 percent, which is weapons-grade material. So they're obviously admitting now that they are building nuclear weapons. They're admitting that they're getting ready for a full war against Israel. We also had a report that the Hezbollah leader, Sheikh Nasrallah, has uh, told his aides—this was in Lebanese newspapers— that they will uh, defend Iran. They will join in any war uh, between Israel and Iran. That, That, of course, has been expected in Israel. It's expected that Hamas would and others as well, but they're openly stating these things now, so it's looking pretty bleak.
1: Well, our previous interview with Ken Timmerman basically said the exact same thing that you're saying, so you're just confirming that Along those lines, this week, Israeli Prime Minister Bennett said he is not opposed to a quote-unquote good nuclear deal with Iran.
5: Yeah, he was speaking theoretically, though. He said, look, Hmm. uh, you know, if if the powers can uh, negotiate something that really ends uh, Iran's nuclear program and really ends its belligerency in the region and its um, missile program and this sort of thing— then why would we oppose that? We would be happy to see that. But he said there's no evidence. He added that there's no evidence to expect that. Uh, he said there can be a good deal, but no, we don't expect it because a much harder stance against Iran is needed by the powers negotiating with Iran. And those negotiations had been stalled again, and they resumed last weekend in Vienna. So they're going on again, but uh, really he was just saying, you know, of course we wouldn't oppose a real peace deal that would, Mm -hmm. uh, a nuclear deal, but otherwise we don't see that coming.
1: Well, this is January 1st, and uh, so we are looking back at 2021 and looking ahead at 2022. If you could just let us know, what was from the Middle East theater, what was the most serious threat? to the nation of Israel in 2021, and looking ahead to 2022, where are their challenges and obstacles for them as a nation in the future?
5: Well, the most serious threat was Iran and will continue to be Iran. There's no question about that. And Israel is preparing the military exercises. You and I have discussed that. Major ones have been held this year uh, and uh, major ones are scheduled for next year. Uh, they, they're getting ready for war and it's going to be a terrible war. We're being warned by Israeli officials. Civilians will be killed. It will, our cities will be involved and we have to be as prepared as possible. So that's, uh, again, just seems to be looming on the horizon, Rick. And I've been talking about this for years, but, uh, right now it looks like pretty much all the elements are in place or close to being in place for this to take place. Of course, it's in the hands of the Lord and we can pray and look up to Him. But uh, we know in the end days there will be these things happening in Israel and around the world, and Israel is, of course, the center of that. But uh, God is in control, and that's the thing that we can cling to uh, during this uh, coming year as well.
1: Dave, we typically uh, look at you as a Middle Eastern news correspondent, and you're a journalist as well. But I I know you're also a student of Bible prophecy, and you're a student of the role that Israel is to play in the future. And if you have a, a minute to share with our listeners some trends that you're seeing, things that are taking place that in your mind are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, maybe even this year.
5: Well, we see these countries aligning uh, with Iran that are predicted to align with them. Turkey and uh, Ethiopia, most recently, and uh, other countries, uh, Yemen. We see all the elements being put in uh, place for uh, this to be uh, the season of the end times to unfold. And... Uh, the good news there is that uh, the lord comes at the end of this <laughs> short period of tribulation that's uh, predicted so uh, and he comes not just to visit he comes to rule and reign in jerusalem to transform the earth and to bring his everlasting kingdom in so and uh, the trend i'm watching also is that more and more people in israel and i think elsewhere are turning to the lord and are crying out to him in during this time of COVID and all of the things that are going on. Of course, some are turning away, but many are turning towards him and crying out to him. And that's, that's the trend that I'm most happy about and glad for and looking for the full fulfillment of all of his word and all of the prophecies in his time. But it is time, I think, for them to unfold and he's in control.
1: Absolutely. And that's the one great hope that we have when we look at it and we see all these things. And uh, it seems like so many terrible things could happen, so many uh, things that are taking place. But it was all foretold of in Scripture, and we know that God has a plan. And thankfully, we as Christians know how this story ends. That's the assurance that Scripture gives us. So Dave, thank you so much for reporting for us, for keeping us informed on what's taking place,
0: and we wish you
1: a happy new year.
5: Thank you, Rick. In Hebrew, it's Shana Tova. so a good
1: year to you and to all our listeners. Shana Tova.
0: We've got Winky Medad and Ron Murrow coming up in the next half hour. Stay tuned right here on Parsi Today Weekend.
4: Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general, and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents, to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C., and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., along with Rick. Rick, in this half hour, we're going to be talking to Winky Medad and R.C. Murrell. They both have great final end-of-the-year analysis coming up. But, Rick, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about our year of 2021. Our trips to Israel had been kind of curtailed from the beginning of COVID in 2020, uh, we canceled six or seven trips. And really, that's how we finance our ministry and getting uh, the radio program out and uh, along with our conferences. And dad, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, he passed away this year. But up until that point, from January through August, they had been on the road, right? I mean, like there were many uh, radio rallies that he went to and he just kept taking forth the message because he felt it was so important to teach the body of Christ.
1: Well, Jimmy, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I know that in April he was at a prophecy conference, a radio rally with Way Radio out of Jacksonville, Florida, a long-time partner of ours.
0: Yes, Jim Collins and the folks and the fine listeners. I mean, I've even talked to people this last weekend from Jacksonville, pastors and churches and different things like that that were there. In fact, Ron Merle, one of our guests in this half hour, he is uh, lives in Jacksonville and he was at the rally, so it was a great rally. That dad had there in Jacksonville. He followed up that rally with a rally in
1: Peoria, Illinois. And since the very beginning, WPEO in Peoria has been carrying the Prophecy Today radio program. And they had a great rally and a great time of fellowship with all of those listeners there.
0: Yes, Bob Ulrich and the fine family at WPEO. Uh, the churches that were involved in that area, many people still, I mean, a lot of listeners coming from that area that follow our program and help us in the ministry by prayer and financial support. Jimmy, you did mention uh, dad passed
1: away in August, but He was doing what his calling was right up until the very end. I know at the end of July, he was at Miles Strait Baptist Church in, in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, someplace close to home. And then even the first week of August, he was at Church of the Highlands in Harrison, Tennessee. He spoke there on August 1st and went to be with the Lord on August 15th.
0: Yes, we've had a very eventful year with his passing. Uh, Just uh, two weeks after he spoke on a Sunday, he passed away on August 15th on that Sunday. And then in October, David James, a longtime partner with us in our ministry, Mm -hmm. in our School of Prophets, Passed away. So it has been an eventful year for us. Uh, We have been, thank the Lord. I was in uh, a COVID ICU unit for eight days. Thank the Lord that He saw fit to take me through that. I know a lot of people have fought that. I did a rally in Alabama and Oxford, Alabama at Trinity Baptist Church and then up in Wisconsin I was with Dr. Rich Schmidt one of the graduates of our school and uh, spoke at Union Grove and also with our friends at VCY America Jim Schneider and the group there so we have continued to go on and in December we've revamped our website we're in a transitional period as a ministry and we do ask and that you continue to pray for us during this time as we are moving forward in the ministry of prophecy today and educating the body of Christ on the end times, the last days. We're examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word.
1: Winky Madad joins us. He's our normal broadcast partner. We get to talk with him often during this segment. And Winky, we have a lot of news to cover, so let me jump right into it. I'd like to start off with an interesting visit between the Palestinian Authority President and the foreign minister. This is a very unique situation. What can you tell us about this?
6: Well, of course, it completely surprised everybody. We are, in the last two to three weeks, have been a complete rise in Arab violence directed at Jews from rock throwing to firebombs and even to shooting and car ramming. The Palestinian Authority, whose head, of course, Minister Gantz met with, is adamant that he will not stop the pay-for-slay financing of the support to terrorists and their families. Hmm. So on the one hand, we have an arch enemy of the state of Israel. Uh, On the other hand, we have a minister of defense who supposedly is supposed to stop any payments going to them from other sources, such as taxes, revenues, uh, because of this paid-for slave, and now he meets with him. Uh, if he wanted to further any sort of diplomatic or political issues with the Palestinian Authority, I would think he should have done it on a lower level with advisors or, as they, I think the Americans called it, the back-channel uh, negotiations uh, before making such a blatant visit in, in terms of inviting Mahmoud Abbas into Rosh Hashanin, into his home. I think it's indicative more than anything else that this government is fractured, and each one wants to do something else to prove to the other how good they are.
1: I'm not sure who was more upset with this visit, the Palestinian and the Hamas, or the Israeli public. Is that, is that a correct characterization?
6: Uh, let's put it this way. Everybody was taken aback. Because there had been no previous indications of any sort of offers or Mahmoud Abbas saying he's going to do this in order to get any meeting, or even with Americans. Uh, so uh, I think everybody's upset and very unbalanced, I should say, by the whole issue. And I think it means more as anything else, as they indicated before, Mr. Gantz has a very big ego. He hasn't been in the picture very recently. And uh, so uh, this is the result.
1: Well, moving on from that subject and looking at what's going on in the north of Israel, uh, Syria is condemning what they call a dangerous Israeli plan to double the Golan population. Could you tell us about this plan and uh, maybe what uh, your opinion on Syria's opinion is?
6: Well, first of all, uh, as you like to point out, I'm more of a history person than anything else, mm-hmm. uh, Jews were resettling the Golan at the end of the 19th century when purchases, purchases of land were made at the time. If you walk through the Golan and, and, and you're a tour leader, you can see ancient Jewish sites there from Katsrin and Gamla and other places. So to call the Golan Syrian, again, is a problem with me. The fact is that the only reason the Syrians held that territory was to attack Israel before 1967. Everybody who stands on the western edge of the Golan Heights looks down on the Sea of Galilee all the way into the Galil. So there's no reason that Syria, after attacking Israel for so many years, should have the Golan back. Doubling the population? Why not? If people want to go up there, if people have the infrastructure, whether the homes, schools, and industrial areas, why not? This is Israel, this is the land of Israel, And uh, even if it was a Frenchman who wanted to go up and live there, I would be for that, too.
1: And as you said, we are tour leaders. We take all of our people to the Golan and let our people know if this is true or not. If we talk about uh, when the Syrians did have control before 1967 of the Golan Heights, it was only militarized. Now, if you were to go up into the Golan, you would see all kinds of industry, uh, families, schools, towns, villages. It's it's a completely different um situation, isn't it?
6: None of that. We come along, and as you pointed out, it was a military closed zone, because that's what it was used for. Along come the Israelis, along along come the Jews, and you have farming, and you have cattle raising, and you have apples, and you have uh, agriculture. And uh, I think anybody who should look around is, is that we're a positive force here, and it would behoove the Arabs to make peace rather than to go to war.
1: Another situation I'd love to get your comment on, you've often acted as our representative for the quote-unquote, and I don't like using this term, but uh, uh, just so we can be on the same page, the quote-unquote settler point of view, because you do live in the area that uh, maybe the mainstream media might call the West Bank, but I, and I know you call it as well, Judea and Samaria. But the Washington Post is reporting that Israeli public security minister Omar Barlev, who made some anti-settler comments, is now having to have 24-7 security.
6: Between you and me and everybody listening, (laughs) in today's government, if you don't have at one turn or another a security detail attached to you. You're of no importance, <laughs> and so everybody complains about a couple of letters, or a couple of uh, uh, inc- recriminations, and everybody says, "Oh, I need, I need it," and of course, no one wants to take any chances. Uh, I think this really is, is an empty PR uh, act out of, of a situation, and it's getting to the point of ridiculous. We had a female MK. Her name is Silman, uh, and she had a detail attached to her for a while because she was getting yelled at. Uh, And then when she claimed that she was actually physically assaulted about a month and a half ago, we're still looking for the assailant, supposedly in, in a gas station, which everybody knows in Israel is flooded with security cameras, and we still can't find him. So uh this government is a little bit of problematic on all sides, and uh, I would ask them to get to work rather than making other people work.
1: Well, my last couple of questions i'd like to talk. this program is airing on January first uh, Now, I know you have some um American roots, so uh happy New Years for that part. I know it's not the new year in Israel, but happy new year um but we wanted to look at maybe uh, a year in review and then look at twenty twenty to the year going ahead in the future. And what I wanted to talk to you, and again, we often talk to you about the Temple Mount, and it seems like 2021 was a very momentous year um, when it comes to increased Jewish presence on the Temple Mount. So just look back at 2021, looking ahead at 2022, what is going to take place with the Temple Mount? What does that mean for Israel, for the Jewish people? And if you don't mind, maybe what does it mean for the possibility of a rebuilt temple on the Temple Mount area?
6: Well, let's start from the last part of your question. Um, the temple will be rebuilt. Hmm. The temple will be rebuilt when we're ready for it. When we're ready for it is a question that I think at the present moment is a, is up in the air between us and God. <laughs> uh, it's it's very difficult because it's it's a climatic Type of a, a change, it's a sea change, and you can't attract people who, who who have difficulty understanding what the temple is about, what the sacrifices are about, what the priests are about, the Levites are about. It's it's a whole different situation of worship that has been actually lost over two thousand years, and uh, part of that, of course, is making sure that the Temple Mount is not lost to the Jewish people which is one of the reasons, not the only, but one of the reasons why Jewish presence on the Temple Mount is important. We have made advances. Uh, there, are, Anybody can find out uh, on YouTube clips of people uh, praying in a, in, a, in a prayer quorum. As, as we know, Jews can only pray with, uh, in a prayer quorum of 10 at least, what's called the minyan in Hebrew, and that is happening every single day on the Temple Mount. Uh, there is some disturbances to that caused by the police who think it's too, what's the word I'm looking for, overt or too um, uh, public, as we say. They can't make noise. They can't sway. They can stand still and, and under their breath. So that is an advancement. And, and on the holidays, uh, the Passover and the, and the Sukkot holidays, uh, booths, uh, we had th- thousands of people up there. So we are making progress. Uh, There are still difficulties. Look, we're facing a wakf, which is very intolerant of anybody, even though we're not inside specifically a mosque or any building. As you know very well, it's in the open air, and the the Temple Mount is very large. Uh, There's a room for everybody. Uh, So I think in the next year, based on this, we'll see increasing numbers, and then we move into schools and try to get middle school, high school, uh, schools dealing with uh, educational issues about the situation, getting people to talk about it, and hopefully we'll make a tremendous and giant step forward on this entire issue of the Temple Mount and the Temple.
1: Well, it certainly seems like it. And and in fact, I know that, Winky, you've always been Um, a proponent and very interested in rebuilding the temple, but it seems like the the country of Israel, uh, the Jewish state of Israel, is moving in that direction as well, are they not?
3: Well, look,
6: across the spectrum, we see what we call uh, return to Judaism in various amazing areas—actors, poets, uh, Uh, performers—you see a lot of that more coming into play— there's highlighting of Jewish traditional music or music on themes of the Bible and other, and even the Kabbalah. So these types of things you have to realize, and, and especially our Christian listeners. Jews have been separated from the homeland for, except for the past 70 to 100 years, for 1,800 years, and we've lost a lot. Uh, and, and people have become assimilated. And people have uh, thought religion to be a less important part of their lives. And so part of the experiment of the land of Israel turning into the state of Israel is also inculcating these values, Mm -hmm. and it takes time. People don't turn overnight, uh, at least in Israel anyway. Uh, They're much more philosophical and argumentative. So it takes a long time before that, and hopefully Israel will serve as a Jewish traditional uh, revitalization uh, uh, of Jewish values, and, and uh, we're looking forward to that also for the next year.
1: Hmm. Well, my last question, um, and I'd just like for you to, in review of 2021 and then looking at ahead at 2022, I've picked four stories, um, and we've talked about these quite a bit uh, over the year, but we talk about the Iranian threat, the, threat, the nuclear threat from Iran, the um, Two, the political upheaval, the end of Prime Minister Netanyahu's time and the new Prime Minister and the new coalition. The third is COVID and what that has done to Israel, and lastly the Palestinian situation and you know, the, the problems that were in Gaza and what we've uh, spoken about today. Those are four stories. Uh, what was the, from your perspective, man on the ground, a political operative in Israel? What was the top story in 2021 and Then looking ahead to 2022, what do you think is going to be the top story?
6: Well, the top story, at least in Israel, has to be the the change in government, in which Naftali Bennett, a strong right-winger who supported uh, the uh, resettling of the land of Israel, the Jewish communities in Judea, Samaria, uh, and other issues, which are long as my arm, made an an about-face and joined a government coalition which, after dozens of years, let in some of the more extreme left-wing and radical parties, including a basically Muslim Brotherhood party, and uh, who claim to accept the state of Israel as a Jewish state, et cetera. But everybody is very so. So that new government is not just a new policy; it's 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 just you know closing a door and opening another one in a different direction, totally that, in me, that has to be the, the top story. Uh, the second one, of course, is Iran. Will the West help Israel confront and get rid of the nuclear weapons development that's going on in Iran? Because it's not only uh, Israel's problem, I assure you. Uh, the rest of the Middle East, as it's already happening with the Iranian support of terror, and even Europe very quickly will become under threat of Iran because they're run by religious fanatics. The other two stories uh, are are normal. <laughs> COVID eventually, the hope, to science, and 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 uh, and the medical uh, efforts will, and and social responsibility will overcome that. Uh, and the last one, the Palestinian story, except for the first question you asked about guns, which was a surprise, um, I don't see that going anywhere because they have nothing to give, and. And 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 or they have nothing they want to give, and we have nothing that they will accept. Hmm. Uh, in other words, their expectations are too high for the minimal that we could give them, and that will continue. Unfortunately for us, uh, they want to be the victims. They want to complain. They want everything. Uh, no compromise. Not even talking about peace. It, it's not going to happen, at least in the in the near future.
1: Well, Winky, thank you as always. You're so insightful. So many things you say put things into focus for us. We appreciate all that you do. Uh, we wish you a happy new year and we look forward to talking to you in 2022.
6: Well, I wish everybody a festive season for the new year uh, in the Christian world according to the Gregorian calendar.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: We've talked many times in the past about the Hebrew calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish you all the best, both personally to the family, you and the family. And everybody who's listening, and hopefully we'll be able to see each other in Israel in the not-too-far future.
1: Amen. Absolutely.
0: Well, that was Winky Medad. He's our go-to man. we are examining what's happening in Israel on a year-to-year basis, and it does seem like things are staying with the same, and that's Bible prophecy. Well, this is a year in review, and uh, we're looking at the end of uh, 2021 here going into 2022. And we have to talk about the financial situation, not only in the United States, but around the world. And with me today is Ron Murrell, Ron Merle, of Prophecy Tracker. Ron, great to have you with us today.
8: Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on.
0: Ron, can you tell our listeners what was the top financial story of 2021 on your website, prophecytracker.org, and what do you think its impact will be in 2022?
8: Yeah, Jimmy, our top story was that inflation made a comeback in 2021, and it began with President Joe Biden's seventh executive order on his first day in office that canceled the Keystone Pipeline while restricting oil and gas drilling on government lands. Oil prices began to climb almost immediately, with it, the cost of doing business for big and small companies that depend on oil and gas. These businesses simply passed their extra fuel costs on to consumers, creating a stealth inflation. The move against U.S. energy production was followed by Biden's Build Back Better stimulus plans, starting with the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, followed by the now infamous $2 trillion infrastructure bill that only had under 10 percent allocated for infrastructure, bringing over $3 trillion in spending over and above the 2 to $3 trillion needed to run the government. Only because of one brave Democrat, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, did we avoid another massive $2 trillion spending bill, which, when scored by the Congressional Budget Office, would have cost over $4 trillion. Jimmy, by November 2021, inflation, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, reached 6.2%. Hmm. Producer prices reached a nosebleed 9.6%, bringing panic to the U.S. consumer that the biden administration is sidestepping inflation and blaming it on everything from oil and gas companies gouging consumers to grocery stores making excessive profits all the while telling the public that the stimulus bills cost nothing we can expect inflation to continue to rise in 2022 as long as the government keeps finding ways to create excessive stimulus with printed money that devalues the dollar and runs the risk of hyperinflation, as foretold in Revelation 6, 5, and 6.
0: Wow, very true. Inflation has been harshly affecting all of us this year, and we've all felt it. And we're going to continue to feel it as long as we continue on this course in the United States. What was your second biggest financial story?
8: Yeah, this, th- this one broke on April fifth, twenty 2021. A major headline broke when China announced the first central bank digital currency called the digital yuan was ready to be added to the Chinese economy. Jimmy, one of your dad's last interviews on August 7, 2021, we discussed the major impact that the new digital yuan would have on the global economy and how the Chinese can use this new currency to control its people. The digital community was stunned to learn that the digital yuan was programmable, cancelable, and trackable making a powerful surveillance tool to be used along with China's 600 million cameras and the infamous social credit score. That the Federal Reserve found itself behind the Chinese in bringing out the digital dollar underscores what is now a race for digital Economic global dominance. We expect 2022 will be the year when all the world's major central banks, the European Central Bank, Bank of England, Bank of Japan, and the Swiss National Bank will follow the Federal Reserve in creating central bank digital currencies. And as they do, I believe each country will follow China's move making non-government coins illegal. The cashless society foretold in Revelation 13, 16, and 17 will likely take a leap forward in
0: 2022. Wow. You know, I sent you uh, an article on China and Russia. Can you comment on the recent news of China and Russia's plan to establish an independent financial system for nations uh, under U.S. sanctions?
8: Yeah, on on December 17th, this article broke in the Global Times, and it reported that both China and Russia, who have been trying to remove the U.S. dollar from World Reserve currency for over a decade, are working to establish an independent financial trading system to avoid the U.S. dollar. To understand China's motives, we need to go back to 2016 when the Chinese yuan was added to the basket of currencies called the SDRs or special drawing rights. They're designed to function as an emergency world currency in case of a meltdown of the U.S. dollar. The SDR is made up of the U.S. dollar, euro, yen, British pound, and now the yuan, giving China hopes to one day to dethrone the U.S. dollar, making the digital yuan the world reserve currency. Now, a few economists give China much of a chance at that goal. But, Jimmy, there's no question that the U.S. dollar is a thorn in the side of China's plan for global domination. Now, Russia's move for an independent trading system is a little different. Russia's move appears to be in response to a series of threats made by the Biden administration that could disconnect Russia from the Brussels-based SWIFT global financial system if Russia invades Ukraine. Now, SWIFT is a vast messaging network service used by banks and other institutions to send and receive information such as money transfers quickly, accurately, and securely. More than 11,000 SWIFT member institutions send over 35 million transactions Mm. per day through SWIFT uh, the SWIFT network in 2020.
0: Wow. Has the U.S. ever sanctioned a nation by disconnecting it from SWIFT before? Yeah,
8: they have. And Iran is a classic example of oh. SWIFT becoming a hostage to political sanctions. Iranian banks were expelled from SWIFT in 2012. Access was restored as part of the Iran nuclear deal in 2015. And the Iranians were cut off again in 2018 under the Trump administration. The question is, will Joe Biden offer to restore swift access to Iran as a bargaining chip in the negotiations that are hanging by a thread in Vienna for a new nuclear deal.
0: Yes, it sure is. You know, uh, Ron, as we look at this and what's happening, uh, we see God is using world leaders to accomplish his will. I mean, we're seeing systems being set up in place for a one-world economic system in the future. We're seeing China and Russia involved in this. We're seeing the United States really taking a nosedive with inflation. And it just means, Ron, don't you see that we have to trust and what God says is going to take place, and we need to trust more in the Lord in 2022.
8: Yeah, I, I, I use the, the expression on my website, Jimmy. I use the expression "All roads lead to prophecy," and we we can just see it clear, clear as a bell right now where all this is going.
0: Wow, Ron Morrow, he's got a website entitled prophecytracker.org. dot org. It's got a lot of financial information there as far as what's happening. I would suggest that you go there, Ron. Happy New Year to you. And we will talk. We've got more stuff to talk about in the future. In fact, in future programs, we want to talk about this COVID passport. And uh, I think that's very important. You've been doing some work on that. And I look forward to talking to you in the future in 2022.
8: Thank you, Jimmy, for having me on today. And many blessings to you and our readers for 2022.
0: Thank you, Ron. You know, broadcast partners like Ron Murrow, Winky Madad, David Dolan, Ken Timmerman, Bob McGinnis, all of our guys that are on our program with us really from month to month. It's so very important because they help us to understand Bible prophecy and understand the times in which we're living. We're gonna take a break and when we come back, the legacy series with Dr. Jimmy D. Young. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., along with my brother Rick, examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, what a year we've had. Uh, this is the new year. We're looking for a good year. In fact, in our stories with Ken Timmerman and uh, Dave Dolan, Winky Madad, R.C. Merle, um, what we're doing, we're examining the events that are taking place. And, yes, I know that everybody's kind of gone over the top, Event of 2021, and uh, but you know we are looking as a ministry. We've kind of been doing that the whole year long, haven't we? We
1: have. We have endeavored to keep all of our listeners updated on what's taking place. These things that are taking place that are setting the stage for prophecy to be fulfilled. We keep an eye on those things, and we search out and find good broadcast partners who can give us kind of a,
0: a correct uh, view
1: of this situation.
0: And speaking of that, we have a brand new website. Just tell our folks how now it's a little bit easier to find us on our website and to follow us. We've talked about in the past, there's been some transition here. We do
1: have a new website. We've got a new bookstore. We've got a new way for you to support us if you go to that website. But we still have our radio programs that you can listen to. You can listen to our live stream 24-7 radio station that we have there. It has not only... Uh, our teaching there, but it has some teaching with other ministry partners that we agree with. It's got our daily devotions, so many different things. If you just go to prophecytoday.com, and just because this is a new website, type that in your browser instead of maybe following a bookmark that you have. Just type prophecytoday.com and you'll see the new website. We invite you to take a look at it and join it and use it in your study of Bible prophecy.
0: Yes, uh, very good. I like the way that you talked about typing the new words because a lot of people use the bookmarks and it takes to the old website. Well, one of the things that we do on Prophecy Today weekend and we've started uh, since our father passed away, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, is we started the Legacy Series. Now, I know you don't remember back this far, but back before we started the Migdal Adar Series, which was our series the month of December, we were in the book of Daniel. And this week, we're going to continue in the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, we're going to start off in Daniel chapter 7, a very important chapter of prophecy and the Word of God. Go to chapter 7 real quickly.
9: Chapter 7, Daniel, remember, 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8. In chapter 7, Daniel has a dream, a similar content dream, but not the same images. He sees four beasts, verse 3, come up out of the sea now in this context and the sea is basically the gentile world you'll remember in revelation chapter 13 and verse 1 they saw the beast that's the one of the names 27 names for the antichrist come up out of the sea and then he lays it out here here are the four beasts he saw the first verse 4 the first was like a lion with eagle's wings that's the emblem of babylon today at the Ishtar Gate, the city of Babylon on the shores of the Euphrates River, 58 miles out of downtown Baghdad, there are two winged lions, gold winged lions, at the entrance to the literal, original city of Babylon. So he's talking about the Babylonian Empire. Notice what he says here in verse 5 and another beast, a second, like a bear, and it raised up itself on its side, and it had three ribs in its mouth. By the way, bear does not represent russia any place in scripture so get that out of your mind this bear is laying on his side with three ribs in his mouth what did i tell you about the gentile world powers the egyptian world power that was the first one assyrian world power the second one babylonian world power the third one in this mouth of this bear this is the medo persian empire that's going to come into existence Look here at verse 6. And after this, I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon it the back of four wings of a fowl, and the beast also had four heads. Well, the leopard, not the fastest animal on the world. Uh, The cheetah, I believe, is probably the fastest, but the leopard is next fastest animal on the earth. But you put four wings on that leopard, he's going to move out, man. What's this talking about? It's talking about the kingdom that came to power quicker than any other kingdom. In 11 years, Alexander the Great put together a ragtag military operation. He was 21 years old. 11 years, he conquers the known world. 32 years of age, he walks into Babylon. He says, I'm the leader of this world, all of the world. And he sets up the Grecian Empire. But at 32, he died of syphilis and a drunkard. And his kingdom was divided into four parts it's talking about the grecian empire here notice what the next one is verse 7 and after this i saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly had great iron teeth and it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns well that's an interesting beast, an awesome beast Teeth that can devour everything. But it has ten horns. Keep that in mind. Look at the next verse. Verse 8. And I considered the horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn. Before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. The little horn coming out of the ten horns. How do you interpret that? The young Well, that's not the Bible interpreted. The angel Gabriel appears to Daniel and says, Here's what this means. Go to verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth. Okay, now we started with the Babylonians. So Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Grecian, Roman Empire. It's talking about the Roman Empire. Which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. I want you to know something. When you look at the whole earth, that Roman empire has never controlled the whole earth. It controlled the Mediterranean area. It controlled a lot of geography, but it never controlled the whole earth. That's what the 10 horns are about. Look at verse 24. And the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 Kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings, verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High God. And so we see the Gentile world powers coming into existence. And from that we then see the little horn is one of 27 names for the leader of that last kingdom, that revived Roman Empire, that which shall come to pass, not completed, The revived Roman Empire will come into existence. Do you realize that since the fall of the Roman Empire, 476 A.D., there has been a continual effort to revive that Roman Empire? I'm not going to trace all of history. Let me just go to the early 1800s when Napoleon went to Rome and said, I am the Roman Emperor. I am the ruler of this world. That wasn't the case. Late 1800s, Bismarck of Germany, the tough leader, had a prime minister named Wilhelm. And he named him Kaiser Wilhelm, Caesar. He wasn't the leader. 1921, Mussolini went into Rome, claimed that he was the Roman leader. He was going to establish the Roman Empire. In 15 years, he controlled everything from Rome to Ethiopia. 1936, Adolf Hitler said, Mussolini has revived the Roman Empire. Wasn't the case. And throughout all of history, men have been trying to revive the Roman Empire. March the 25th, 1857, six European leaders met in Rome. They signed the Treaty of Rome, which established the European Common Market. That has evolved over the years. When President Sarkozy of France was involved, he brought together 17 Mediterranean states. These 17 states, it's 16 Islamic states and one Jewish state, Israel. They'll come together and they will have 44 different states. You say, well, what about the ten horns? That constitution they ratified, or the treaty, same as the constitution, calls for them to divide into regions. They have the Committee on Regions. Great Britain has already been divided into three parts. When Gordon Brown was prime minister, he called... Brussels, Belgium. What's the deal? I don't see Great Britain on the European map. Because we divided you into three of the different regions. And they set up ten regions. Because they can't control 44 states. And out of this jail political operation is going to come the Antichrist. This little horn. Go to chapter 9. In chapter 9, he talks about verses 24 to 27, a 490 year period of time. That will be a special plan for the Jewish people, the special people, and a special city, the city of Jerusalem. Verse 27 refers to a seven-year period of time. And so now he says these Gentile world powers who come into existence with their leader, the Antichrist, the Antichrist, when he comes into power, he's going to be a key player in the seven-year period of time. The seven-year period of time is when the antichrist will be ruling over this known world he will be the gentile world leader that is ruling over this world chapter 7 notice what he's going to do verse 27 and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice to cease We'll come back to that in just a moment. That's the seven years that we're talking about here in the tribulation. Go to chapter 11. Chapter 11 is an unbelievably prophetic passage of scripture. It deals with five different personalities that Daniel is going to give to those readers of his prophecies... And he's going to tell about them and exactly what they're going to do before they ever come on the scene. Any critic of Daniel goes to chapter 11. How could he know about these men and what they were going to do before they ever arrived? Look at verse 2 just a moment. Verse 2. And now will I show thee the truth, behold, there shall stand up yet three kings of Persia, and the four shall be richer than they all, and his strength, and through his riches he shall stir up Greece. You know who that was? King Ahasuerus of the book of Esther. Read chapter 1 of Esther. He was the fourth of the Persian kings. He was far richer than all the rest of them. 57 years before he came on the scene, Daniel writes about Ahasuerus. He's trying to give us authority upon which he speaks and says that he is inspired of the Holy Spirit of God. Breathed into him were these prophecies. Verse 3. And a mighty king shall stand. He shall rule, have great dominion, and do according to his will. That could describe any king, but the next verse really lays it out. And then he shall, when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken and divided into four winds. Well, 200 years before he came on the scene, Alexander the Great was prophesied by the prophet Daniel. Man, he's 100%. Deuteronomy 18 says, if it's a prophet of God, he'll be 100% every time. So he's right on target. Verse 5, And the king of the south shall be strong, and one of his princes. Remember, it was divided into four parts, north, south, east, and west. There were only two of those parts that were major players. King of the north, king of the south. What's going to happen is they're going to form a coalition. And the king of the south is going to offer his daughter, it says right here in the text, uh, to the king of the north. Wow. 300 years before it ever happened. Daniel wrote it down precisely. He was talking about Antiochus the Great. Who's going to come to power? You get to verse twenty-one. He's talking about another ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, the madman. As you read through the scriptures in chapter eleven, you see this man, through flatteries, comes into Jerusalem, takes it over. He arrives, Keszloff twenty-five, December the twenty-fifth, one sixty-eight B.C. He goes into the temple. He slaughters a pig on the altar, throws the innards of the pig on on the altar. He desecrates the temple. It says in the text in verse thirty-two. Men will rise up to take him. That's the Maccabees. Matthias, Judas, Maccabee, all the Maccabee boys. They rose up and they ran Antiochus Epiphanes out of town. I'm cutting to the chase here so you understand. By the way, you know what day they ran him out of town? Keslov 25th, December the 25th, 165 BC. Three years to the day later, they reconsecrated the temple. They found a flask of virgin, extra virgin olive oil, which is what you light the menorah with. They went to the seven-branch candle opera. They put the olive oil in there. They lighted menorah. That was enough oil to light it for one day. Stayed lighted for eight days. Thus, the Jewish holy day of Hanukkah celebrated every year on the 25th day of December, which is where we get Christmas Day from. But that's four. What was it? It was Ahasuerus, Alexander the Great, Antiochus the Great, Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes was foretold 360 years before the fact. What an amazing prophetic chapter in the book of Daniel. Chapter 11. Before the fact, Daniel foretells of four historic personalities before they ever come on the scene. These fulfilled prophecies give us a basis to trust Daniel as he tells us of the next world leader, the Antichrist. But that study will have to wait until next week when we get back to our study of Daniel chapter 11.
0: And we will be looking forward to next week when we continue the series and we'll cover the Antichrist. we got to take a break and when we come back, Rick and I will examine all the events that we covered today right here on Prophecy
3: Today Weekend. Todd Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News, what will 2022 bring for persecuted Christians around the world? Todd Nettleton with Voice to the Martyrs USA says the rise of radical Islam in Africa will mean more attacks on churches. He also expects a lot of news out of China this year, starting with the Winter Olympics in February. He hopes the media attention will remind listeners to pray for Chinese believers in prison. Follow these stories all year long at missionnews.org. New gospel opportunities have emerged in Ethiopia. World Missionary Press scripture booklets are the tools believers need to walk through these open doors. Believers say the booklets are especially effective in Muslim outreach. When churches were closed due to the pandemic, people encountered the gospel through these materials. In the past 30 years, World Missionary Press has sent 3.7 million scripture booklets to believers in Ethiopia. Pray for funding and opportunity to send another shipment and find your place in the story at missionnews.org.
4: The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D Young's Revelation: A Chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
0: This is Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Jimmy D Young Jr. and of course along with me is my brother Rick. You know, we've been doing this program and we started it in 2021, Rick. When Dad passed away, we talked, and we prayed about continuing the radio program and the ministry. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, it's been a tough year, not only in the passing of our father for our family's sake, but for the ministry's sake, and then being able to more or less, I guess, pick up the staff or to take the mantle, uh, you and I carrying it on and continuing on with the ministry. Well, it was an interesting program today as we look back kind of, at 2021, uh, and we look forward a little bit. But Rick, you know, as we were talking to our broadcast partners, uh, again, we're still talking about some of these top stories that we've been covering all year.
1: Well, it was certainly interesting talking to Ken Timmerman. He was our first guest on today. And he was bringing up the situation in Russia and Ukraine and how they are dominating the news now. And Russia does have a role to play in end times prophecy, don't they?
0: Yes, they sure do. You know, when you look at it, and we believe Russia is Magog in Ezekiel 38. And uh, Russia will align a group of nations together, those that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38, Iran being one of them, or Persia in your Bible. Uh, you look at Ethiopia, Somalia, and Sudan. When you look at these other nations, Libya, and when you, uh, are looking at the nations in Daniel chapter 11, with the king out of the north, which would be Syria, and the king out of the south, which would be Egypt, and of course, Psalm 83. Uh, those nations of Saudi Arabia, we do see these nations that are coming against Israel are aligning right now, and it's prophesied that they will have a, play a major role in the future. Well, also, we talked to Dave Dolan, and Ken stated it at first, and then Dave
1: Dolan reinforced it. If you look at what's taking place in Iran right now, and the essentially the coming conflict, almost predicted by both Ken and Dave, that's going to take place between Israel and and Iran, that foreshadows
0: what's going to take place in the tribulation period. (laughs) You know, when you look at that, Rick, it should be encouraging to us as believers, first of all, that the rapture is going to take place. So it encourages us that we are getting closer and closer to This event of Iran attacking Israel and all these nations with Russia moving against the European Union and and maybe attacking Ukraine. Uh, You look at China attacking Taiwan. You look at the alignment of these nations coming up, and it doesn't happen until the tribulation period. It does encourage us that the rapture is going to take place, but it should also help us to understand the urgency of the hour and being able to tell others about God's redeeming plan for
1: salvation. We were also able to talk to Winky Medad. Winky Medad is a religious Orthodox Jew living in Israel, and he offers exciting perspectives. I thought— uh, a couple of the things that we're super interested is at one point he said there will be a temple built. And we've talked about that for so many years as a ministry, and you and I have been involved in so many interviews and television programs talking about the rebuilding of the temple, which is something that is prophesied and is something that is going to uh, need to be a place during the tribulation period.
0: Yes, when we look at things— um how they're happening around us We we watch events and that's why we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word because we believe that there are no other prophecies to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place but we do understand that God is a loving God he's not willing that any should perish that's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 God is not willing that any should perish he's long-suffering So when we examine these events, and we have been watching what's taking place with the rebuilding of the temple that you talked about since 1991, when mom and dad first went to Israel in the first Iraqi conflict. When that took place, uh, that first year that they were living there, they happened to be there with friends of ours, Dr. Randall Price, Dr. Tommy Ice, men that we know very well, and they did that very first video on what was being done to rebuild a third temple. Now, all these years later, we keep watching and we're getting closer and closer because we understand what the Bible says of what will take place in the future.
1: Jimmy, I think we're lucky also to have Ron Murrow as a frequent contributor to the program. He definitely brings a different aspect. We look at the financial situation in the world, and and these are the kind of the mechanics of what the Scripture says is going to take place. These are the mechanics in the world economy that are um, coming together to make prophecy fulfilled.
0: Yes. You know, when we look at this person called the Antichrist coming on the world scene, he does two things. He establishes a world order— uh, using the revived Roman Empire, which was which today is at the very least the infrastructure, which would be the European Union, but he also sets up an economic system, and we've talked about this. We talked about it with Ron. He's talked about hyperinflation. That's Revelation chapter six, verses five and six, the mark of the beast. That's Revelation chapter thirteen. Um, it talks about what is what will be required in order to buy a loaf of bread in the future. As we look at these events, it's so important that Ron comes and helps us to understand the things that are taking place, God using world leaders to accomplish his will. That just shows how much closer we're getting to the rapture of the church. And all of these events, as we examine them, Rick, they're all in the future. There are no prophecies left to take place before the rapture of the church takes place. So we need to keep our eyes not on websites, Yes, look at what's happening, have a biblical worldview, but use God's Word in that worldview to help you to understand why the world is acting as it is. And Rick, today, I mean, as we are watching things taking place, we are getting closer and closer to the rapture of the church.
1: Jimmy, I, I 100% concur with you. When when all else fails, go back to the manual. We can keep an eye on what's taking place in current events, but continue to study god's word god put it in there for us to study so we can continue
0: to study bible prophecy and look forward to what's going to take place soon you know with so many resolutions being made on the first day of the year let's make a resolution to get more into god's word to study it and to study bible prophecy one third of his word is about future events and if it was that important to god to have that included in the way that he communicates with us today. How much more should it be important to us? Rick, with all that's happening, I wish you a happy new year and that uh, you will be uh, looking to the Lord to establish your ways with you and your family and our ministry.
1: Jimmy, happy new year to you and your family and to our listeners as well.
0: With all that's happening in the world, the rapture of the church could happen today. So let's keep looking up until...
4: Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.